Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. Not to tell you, uh, Thanksgiving's next week. And I, I have the task of talking to Joanne because we always have people over. And she makes a list. And I, I don't even know. Like I, I sit there. I think we're going to have 10 people. And all these people show up. And she said, let's make the list. And I know I have to go shopping by myself. Because when I make the list, I'll know what to get. But if she comes along, she'll just keep adding stuff. And what's funny is when we have people come over, she'll be like, oh, get this pie. I already have people bringing like four pies. And then with the booze, it's like, we're not going to get wine because last year, one guy brought six bottles of wine. Problem was it was white and I wish he'd brought in red, but that's, you know, so I have to go shopping. And today, I think today we're going to put the list together. We're going to do our invite. We're doing, we're only doing 10 or eight this year, people. Uh, last year, I think we had like 15 and it just gets too crazy. And, and honestly, we just don't have that many plates, you know, because we're not going to put it on paper plates and we have, because she gets worried. She has like. Like she had like eight or 10 nice Chinas. And then I have the few things left from when, before she moved in. But so, yeah, so we're going to have a Thanksgiving and we have to start planning now, which is crazy because you have to order your turkey in Burbank because you have to go to Sprouts because I like the, I, Sprouts is good. Trader Joe's is overpriced because they're, they're just, you can't order them. At least Sprouts, you can go and you can say, okay, I want whatever size turkey and they get it to you and it's safe. So enough about that. I'm going to ask my guest about Thanksgiving. My guest is Romy Rosemont. How are you doing, Romy? I'm very good. How are you? No, oh, no, no Thanksgiving. No, no. Oh. How, how many people do you do it? Do you well, cook? No. Well, um, I used to cook and or I'll, I'll do the old side dishes, but we're going actually my husband's in New York doing a play. So he's off the hook. So um, I'm going to Arizona with my family where my 90, almost 91 year old dad and my 86 year old mother, almost 86. She would kill me that I aged her up. Um, the, they're there and they can't really travel. So we're going there and my mother orders half of it from a market and then I kind of supplement it. But she said, she said this year, she was like, you know, I, um, I got the turkey, I ordered the dinner um, and the price went up this year. So I'm not getting a ham. They wanted $80 for the ham. I was like, mom, there's 14 of us. Yeah. Uh, all right. You know what? I'll get the ham. She was like, I don't want you to pay for it. I'll get the, she literally said, you know what? I I'm going to make a ham. I was like, in my entire life, in my entire life, you've never cooked a ham. I always, my mom used to make like the- Insane. My mom would make like the ham steak, like, you know, you buy it and oh, sliced, it's just, and it's awful. But, but you know, it's, it, they don't taste good. No, I so I literally called when I was walking the dogs this morning, called Honey Baked Ham in Scottsdale, Arizona, and ordered a ham to be picked up when I- Honey baked you know. ham is so good. Like, come on, you can eat the I mean, skin. You oh, can just, no, you no. can just sit there. You and absolutely. Just, oh my god, it's, it's like oh, insane. Oh well, it's brown sugar just right. caramelized. There's nothing bad about it. And then they've got this honey mustard that'll. I mean, I will honestly, I will, I will slab it on my hand and lick my hand. I swear I, to you. Isn't it? It's so funny. Oh, I'm like, good. I'm like one of those. Uh, like the, as I said, the skin, or I'm on, I'm, I'm a sucker for a, like a prime rib fat. I know it's so bad for you, but yeah, it's, that's a little oh, bit like. I mean, because it's, it's a texture it's, thing, yeah, but okay. but like some fat on on a, on a steak, absolutely. And and then my dogs are always looking at me like, "Hey, li right. lady, you don't need that." By the way, <laughs> my girl it's almost does. pilot season. Okay, <laughs> my, my girlfriend yeah. does that. She'll she'll sit there and she'll leave it on the plate. And I feel like a dog. She's like, "Do you want?" I'm like, "Are you gonna eat that?" She goes, "It's bad for you. You have a heart thing." I go, "It's it's steak fat. We don't eat steak that much." I mean, look at that. It's it's so good. You no, know, it's like that with sparrows and and. I don't really, two two really, really close friends just got two potbelly pigs and I haven't been able to eat bacon or ribs, <laughs> I swear to you. And they're, I love bacon. And I make this Brussels sprout thing for Thanksgiving in which I make the bacon and then I use some of that bacon fat for it. So I'm having a little bit, you know, you know just a Trader Joe's crisis. for the Brussels sprouts. They serve oh, them on the stalk. Oh, oh no, no oh, I'm so lazy. Do you know what I do? Just because my family dynamic is so high- as anyone's is highly dysfunctional and tense that I get the tray of um, the uh, where you microwave them and I half microwave them and they're already sliced and already peeled. That's, I mean, I literally am taking the easy way out. That's good though. But you know, just just self, you know, it's it, it's that or just a large bottle of pills. So I literally, I mean, I'm not saying that I, I mean, it could be both this year. Trust me. You can wrap them in the Brussels sprout. Oh, like that that's, is there you go. Excellent idea. Um, <laughs> now, uh, now we talked a little before you got on there. You, you're, I know you grew up in California, but you originally were born in New York. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, I, I always throw that in as if I'm ashamed to to be a native Californian. I'm not at all. But yes, we were born. Um, we were all born in New York. I'm the youngest of three, and we moved here when I was just shy of nine. 
and um, you know, basically grew up here, but then went to college in Chicago. So I never really felt that I really lived here until after I graduated college. Now, when you were little in New York, did you ever, I mean, when did you decide you wanted to start acting? Was it, was, was your family acting or, I mean, I mean, how do you sit there as a, and, and New York is great. I mean, you lived in two places, which we would, is perfect yeah. for acting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did grow up in the entertainment business. My dad was, um, a producer in the, he used to do the, when they used to do the grand movies of the week in the seventies and eighties, you know, like, uh, man in the iron mask and count of Monte Cristo and things like that. And then he also did variety shows, but Prior to that, he was Robert Goulet's manager and at one time Victim Moan's manager. You know, I mean, just old time Hollywood. So I was always around it. But I think that in college, because I'm not a singer. And so usually in high school, I went to an all girls school. It was usually if you were to act, it was the big musicals. And I don't sing. So it really was uh, college about, I think it was a junior year when I started doing improv. And there was an improv show at Northwestern called Meow. And I started in that and I kind of found my niche, but I always loved it. And I did every job every summer growing up from the time I was 12 on my dad's sets. But I just always, there was something, I love the energy on on a set. I would love to do theater, but I have not done very much of it. I've definitely done more television and film, but I just, it really is, it's such a community to me. And um, I tend to be all over the place, you know, very, very stream of consciousness, very ADD. But between action and cut, I'm extremely focused. So now, how did you choose Northwestern? What was your major? Because I know Northwestern's got a great journalism and broadcast school. I mean, it's like some great writers have come out of there. In fact, my uh, guy I went to college with is now the head soccer coach for Northwestern. Oh, really? And he's been for the last five or six years and they're doing really well oh good i was gonna say are we doing well no they always make they always make the tournament and they all, he's doing well yeah um well, actually i went to northwestern because a friend of the family's daughter went there so and i knew that i wanted to go away from home definitely wanted to live away from home um and i knew it had a, a good theater department and i went in as a theater major and then my sophomore year i transferred to radio tv film because i figured that i was gonna more veer towards doing uh, television and film though that's one of my greatest regrets not staying in chicago for a number of years after graduation and doing theater or going to new york it's kind of when you do that later um people are always saying well go to new york and do theater it's like it is so hard to get to know that group of people or or, or that that community unless you're someone fancy i mean i would love to be able to do a New York theater, but you definitely get to the age or any theater, but you definitely get to that age where it's like, well, I don't really want to do any theater. I don't want to go to, you know, like, I don't know, Peoria, Illinois and do dinner theater, right? So, you know, to leave home and do that. So the level of commitment, I guess, is kind of um, circumstantial. So when you graduated Northwestern, you didn't stay in Chicago at all? Or I didn't. You, I mean, because I, I know a lot of times people go just because of second city and just also and you're right there was a there's a big theater i mean it's it's a theater the goodman city. steppenwolf but i didn't really i i mean to be honest i didn't know where i fit in which is also kind of followed my entire career you know it was like, oh, is she funny is she this is she and so i was always a, a this or a that and nobody i kind of fell in the middle so actually when i graduated college i worked at icm and caa for a year and almost two years and Doing as, as, a, as an assistant in fact when I quit CAA, my father was very disappointed. I And it was like, wait, you're disappointed that I'm not going to be an agent? Like, it was the craziest thing. Did but you want to be an agent? No. No, okay. no, no, no. It was just a job. I just needed a job. I um, And a friend of mine from college worked for this amazing man. His name is David Schiff. He's now a very successful manager. And um, she basically said, I'm, I just got another job working for this producer. Why don't you come in? And it was... I. So I graduated in June and I started working at ICM in September. I just really wanted, I needed a job. And um, I also, but I learned a lot about a part of the industry I didn't know. I mean, I grew up on sets. I, I've done wardrobe. I've done, I've been a stand-in in 110 degree heat and, and working on my dad's set. So I've done a lot of jobs in this other than things that you have to be unionized for. Um, and the the selling and the contracts and all that, I didn't know. But it really is just, it, it really is paying your dues. And then I quit 
because I wanted to start pursuing it. And then I got a, um, Ed DeBevix, which was a Chicago restaurant, opened up on La Cienega. So I was one of the founding team of, of Ed DeBevix LA. Isn't that the one where they're mean to you? Oh yeah, which I never could. I'm such, I've got such a codependent personality that it would literally be like, like I'd be, I'd be a total bitch. And then I'd be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Cause I always think with yeah. the job interview would be like, cause there used to be a place when I lived in San Diego called uh, Dick's Last Resort. And, and they would sit there and, you know, and they would try to be mean. And I'm like, the guys being mean. And I remember at one time I was just joking around and I said something rude just because this thing was, I asked him what the beer tastes like. Oh, it tastes like my ass. And I said, well, hey, how about I shove the beer up your ass and I drink the beer and I see which is better. And he just ran away. But it's like, how is he, right. how is he interview? Like, like, cause you're sitting there and you said you're a nice person. Did you know going in that it was, that you had to be mean? I will, you had to have a, um, character, okay. which I also thought was a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> like, just like, really? <laughs> I mean, come on. But, um, so I, I'm just like at CAA, I just, I, I lied my way into it. So whatever, whatever I thought they wanted to hear, I said it. And I knew that I would be a good waitress. And there, because it's a 50s designer, I've never worked, I've worked a lot of jobs. I never worked so hard. And, and uh, it was, I think the capacity for Ed DeBevix was 320 people. And your shifts were a good seven or eight hours on linoleum. And you, I mean, it, it, especially in the beginning, it was packed. Like, and, and also the worst is every fancy person came in, but so many of my colleagues from CAA came in, like either had, they, they were either on people's desks or I knew the agents. And I was in a gray fifties diner, you know, I mean, you know, a waitress's <laughs> uniform with a starched bow that went red and white checked that went out. I mean, a good cup, probably like a foot or so from my head with reflectors on it and so i would i mean i like took people out with this thing and it just looked Awful. i mean just so like i mean there's there i couldn't i i couldn't get out of it i just was like i have no pride left but it's i wanted to start acting and i you know and i and i had to be able to go to auditions and had to have a job in which i could do that so yeah now is it easy for you to get an agent since you worked at an agency or did that oh make god it? no okay no 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 um um, I actually made a homemade tape for Saturday Night Live, but, and again, I didn't really know what I was capable of back then. So my confidence was, um, you know, was, it, I, I just didn't know where I should go and whether it was comedy or drama or so on and so forth. So I, I did these characters, um, and got it to someone at SNL on a lower scale. And actually they really liked it, but they said, I, you know, it was one of those needed more work, blah, blah, blah. So I showed it to someone that was then triad. Um, and I got hip pocketed. So just slowly I, I started to get sent out and then I would either book the job or the feedback was good, but it was really very much my entire career is the little engine that could like every single year. It's a little bit more, a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, I only did comedy, and then I did an episode of Ally McBeal. This is about 15 years ago, and they realized that I could cry on cue, on cue basically. And um, then I only got drama. I only got the crying mother, the crying sister, the crying this, the crying that. To the point of a few years ago, my agents, when they would submit me for comedy, they would say, "Oh, is she funny?" And you know, so it's insane that for years people just didn't think that I was funny. That's weird, yeah, because in the beginning, I mean, you know, you, you have Murphy Brown and stuff like that, like, so you're getting s small parts, but they right. were all comedies. Right. And it's just so weird how people, you know, all of a sudden they forget that. It's like, it's like all they have to do is, hey, look at the IMDb. You know, it's like, Anything. Look, 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 she was on Harry and the Hendersons, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's like, they don't, they don't take the time. They just think they pigeonhole you instead of sitting there and going, okay, well, if I just did a little research, we could find out she'd be perfect for this part. Right. But, you know, that that actually takes some time and some creativity and some imagination. Right. Because you can tell from a dramatic person if how they're doing because there's comedy in drama. So you can you can actually tell. And the exact same thing with a comedian. Usually usually comics are really good dramatic actors because we're all filled with such, you know, 
sadness and right. torment. <laughs> so how long did you work at Ed DeBevick's? A year and a half. Okay. I, I couldn't, I got so sick and tired of having to cover my shifts for auditions or for jobs. So you were getting out. So that, yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah, thing. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, and because I wasn't an ingenue, and again, I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't pretty enough and I wasn't character enough. I was just real. I was the person you knew. So I was getting out and I was getting some work, but I also, it got to the point where the stress of having to cover my shifts was just a huge pain in the ass. So I started actually my own business. I had a personal assistant business for years, actually, when and I billed by the hour and I worked for actors and producers. And that was like before the personal assistant became the kind of in thing to have, you know, where people actually made really good money doing it or they they still do. I did it on an hourly basis. So you're doing that now. You get you're starting to get work now. Are you going out for commercials too? Because you would think, with, as you said, if you're right in the middle, right, that'd be perfect for commercials. Right, I did, I I did, but I, again, I never I never booked as solidly. I mean, I booked, but I never booked as solidly as one would expect or one or people thought. But um, yeah, I I was uh at Abrams Artists and then Doug Ely opened his own and and Mike Abrams opened their own. Um, agency called AKA, and I went there, and they're just such lovely, lovely, lovely people. And I kind of go in and out of doing, um, going on auditions for commercials. But um, you know, I I had friends that were that booked nonstop, and I never had that at all. See, that's yeah, it's, and especially back then, commercials. It's like they would say, if you look, if if you got one, they would sit there and they'd say, okay, well, we want someone who looks like that, and then they would just bring you in. And I, I know a guy who did like uh, twelve, I think, in a year. Yeah. Because they're like, oh. And, and then, that's when you actually made real money right. doing so, it. I then, mean, now it's completely different. And then it's after that right. 12, then they go, ah, well, we we want that type. You right. Know, it's like, and all of a sudden you become a type, which is like, well, wait, if you need that type, well, right. what about me? I, right. I, I am that type. Right. So now you're acting now. And now are you getting any pilots at the time? Because you're, con- I mean, you, you look at your IMDb, you're constantly working. I mean, and that's the thing. You, yeah. I mean, you look down, you're, I mean, it's, there's so many credits on your thing, you know, from. You know, Bible, just and they're all across the board, like Sleepwalkers and Babylon <laughs> Five, and then you know I, the Profile, and you know, and then suddenly Susan. It's like so you're getting a lot of work, yeah. I mean, so you you have I, to feel good, yeah. But 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 they're all jobs, and they are um, and I got a couple of pilots, but not you know I have friends who got a pilot every single year, um, and I think a lot of it was because they didn't know what to do with me, and it wasn't I would say in the last. You know, I'd get recurring and things like that. And in fact, a, a pilot I did this this summer actually just got picked up oh, good. For, for ABC Family called Beyond. And what's that about? Um, it's a supernatural uh, premise. It's basically my son is, um, who knows what has happened? Um, I abducted this or that. We're not quite sure. There's good guys and bad guys. <laughs> I, to be, to be perfectly honest, I'm like, I'm not, I'm clearly not that bright because I'm like, who's good, who's bad? And um, then he's in a coma for 12 years and wakes up you know, at the beginning or the second scene. And now it's the, you know, his journey. So that, so that just got picked up on ABC family, which is. Well, congratulations. Thank that's you. awesome. You know, they, they have a lot of, that's a very popular network too. I mean, they have like huge following. Now you're going to get a, it is a right whole now. different fan base. Well, yes, yes. Well, but, but, it, and that's, what's really funny is that, um, cause I did four episodes of the fosters last year, last year, two years ago. Oh dear! I mean, cl- clearly, oh, dementia's. Yep, it's happening. Um, and uh, so I, so they got to know me definitely through that. So I mean, I was, I was very. It's obviously, it's always good to work. It's the the only negative is that it shoots in in Vancouver, and and it's always hard to leave home. Oh yeah, it must be. I mean, it's just something. But I heard Vancouver is very beautiful. It city. is, and it's absolutely beautiful, but it's not home right and what's weird is also because now there's so many shows that are coming back to la well and that's what that we you're probably for. you're probably going just come on well that's come what on. i mean someone said that that if it's a success the first year you can you know maybe they can do it but there's basically there's three there's three wait one two the two uh the lead kid is uh kid he's 23 um is canadian and then his brother, the one who plays his brother. So my two sons are Canadian. Then there's um, a woman who lives in London. She's amazing, um, and she's she's in it. And then three people from here. So it's a, it's an hour show. It's an hour show. So it's 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 sort of he- it's not a it's not a it's, comedy. It's sort no, of no, heavy. no. It's okay. a drama. Yeah, but that no, must no. be cool. A, a lot of crying. 
Well, that's good, though. That's what I do. I so, mean, it's literally where we used to joke around that um, if someone, that that on my resume, it should read snot crier, tear crier, you know, <laughs> uh, whatever, it, like to, to, to list the menu of cries. In fact, in, in fact, I did a, um, what was it? Hold on. Um, I think it was a Drop Dead Diva and a very good friend of mine who I adore, and she's an amazing casting director, Larry Poindexter's wife, Carol okay. Kritzer. Amazing. And um, I think someone was watching some dailies or something on um, on a Drop to Diva, and I have to cry. And uh, the person turned to Carol and said, I mean, what happened to her? Like, I mean, is her life so sad? <laughs> did, did something bad happen to her? So, which is always, you know, which is kind of hilarious. I've never been the kind, uh, I use music a lot as far as, um, to get me in that mood, because sometimes to cry, yeah. Okay, like the, the, what, what's some of the music you would use? Like, like, but it. I mean, there has to be music. Like, if there's a happy cry, you have to be like, like for me, a happy cry would be like I would, I would watch. Well, the music, well, I would watch. I would watch. It's a Wonderful Life, or, right, yeah. or at the end, or, yeah, yeah. or Rocky, because right. it's that, it's that emotional happy right. cry, sad cry. I mean, you know, there's different songs, but like, what, what is a song like? Because you have to do both cries, happy and sad. Right? Well, I've I've never unfor- I mean, I've I've only done, done okay. sad. Um, you know, I I and I think I think a happy cry would be something that would truly come out of that situation. And it's not that a sad cry doesn't, but sometimes, um, grateful for the jobs. I'm going to say that, but sometimes you are maybe not given the best writing. Okay. So- or 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 um, I'm I'm being very <laughs> diplomatic here. Or or that there's not a transition within a mile away of what you're having to say. Ask Larry Poindexter about this for me, um, and uh, and so and and so I will pick songs that are that mean something to me. That the okay. lyrics mean something. I mean, uh, for years, um, Melissa Etheridge. There's a couple of songs that just ripped my heart out. Or right now, Sarah Bareilles. She wrote this. I guess um, the she's doing a Broadway musical based on the movie Waitress, and it just came out, and I don't know the song title, but it is—it's it wrecks me every single time. I mean, I, I literally have to listen to just a couple of lines, and I will absolutely, if I need to do it quickly, and because I tend to have a concentration issues, I, I will just put on my headphones and go away. But it's—it's it's kind of instant replay for me, so I'm real fortunate in that situation. But I often wonder, God, I wonder what would happen if I had really good material right you know so it's like oh my goodness oh my goodness gracious so so as you're acting as looking as you're acting you and then you end up becoming on a recurring on CSI yeah which must have been great because I mean that was one of those shows that just blew up like I mean it was like it was a huge show I mean now how did that did that role did you when you first came on did you sit there and think you're going to be back for a few episodes because you came back or did you say well I knew it would recur because I was one of the techs. I mean, that was one of those situations, you know, again, because a lot of the times you never know why you're, you you recur or not. Something either has to happen. They either need that, you know, need that person or they want that person to be the love interest or whatever. I never was the love interest. So it never, there was never kind of a, a domino effect into that and to use me in different areas. For For CSI, I knew that it would recur. I just didn't know. For how many? And it was a blast because the the unfortunate thing with that was they always shot me out in a day, and that was back in the day when I really didn't have that many credits. So I just got paid for the day, even after I did fourteen episodes, and only got paid for the day. Which because everyone is like everyone assumes that you at least with every passing episode that you book that your rate would go up and right. you know you really realize how dispensable you are but that was it was also really fun to be kind of scientific and it was all lingo and um i would come in not know what i was doing and their csi specialist you know whoever their onset um expert was would take me through all the movements and you had to you know, within 15 minutes, you had to look like you knew how to analyze fingerprints and right. send things through this machine and this and that and sound like you knew it. I mean, I don't know shit. Right. I mean, I really don't. <laughs> Science was not my thing. No, no. Did you know anything about uh, when you were in prison break? 
did you know anything about being a detective? No, not at all. The, um, except for in Sleepwalkers, which was uh, a long time ago. That was actually David Goyer who created, you know, um, uh, Blade and the bat, the 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 Dark Batman's. Right. Um, that was, I think, I think that was Goyer's first series. The loveliest, sweetest, kindest, yummiest man. And it was with Bruce Greenwood, Naomi Watts, Abe Ben Ruby, this guy Jeffrey Sams, and I'm forgetting the last guy. And I was cast. I knew it was going to be recurring. Um, and I was a, de- a de- detective. And in the first episode, I had to like run through a marketplace with a gun. And I thought, oh Jesus, I got to figure something out because I <laughs> just feel like I'm Betty Crocker. Run, like, oh come on, stop. And I, I and I had to sound convincing, but in my head. It's like nobody's gonna believe this. So I actually went to um, a gun range, kind of paid for for myself to have a lesson. I was terrible. I'm the worst shot. I've you know I've oh never shot a gun. I, you know it's funny. My my brother and my dad when we were younger, they would go hunting, but they would never get anything. And then they they would go and they would shoot tw- a twenty two at the like wherever it was its range, and we had BB guns. But I've never shot the guns. It's funny. And the only time I actually held one was they had them in a on the above. In the downstairs, it was like four of them in a gun rack. And I remember, I guess my brother was babysitting me and we fell asleep and he had locked the front door. He put the chain on. Well, no, he locked the garage door so they couldn't get in because it was an electric garage. So they went around the back and we thought someone was breaking in. So I like oh. jumped up like to grab the, but they're, they're locked and the keys, like we knew where the key was hidden, but it was above <laughs> our reach. And that's like the only, only time I think I almost like, shot a gun which i wasn't even close i, I pulled on it in the rack that's what happened <laughs> and that was my no extent. it was it was very much um because in the show i obviously it was a dummy i mean the best thing about that is i got shot so i got squibbed which i think all of that stuff is i love about the movies i love all of that crap where you're you know that that make believe so i was so bummed that i actually got it in um the first take it's because, you know, it's that exploding right. blood capsule underneath your clothing. I was so, oh my God, I was so excited to be able to do that. But when I went to go um, and shoot, I, I was amazed at the, you know, the, what, I, what it's called, the pullback or whatever, um, is intense. I mean, shooting you re- a pistol? I mean, yeah. I mean, it was a, I think, I think, well, it was a long, I think it was a nine millimeter. Okay. I mean, it was what a detective would have. And it was, it was, I mean, heavy and it's, it's an, it's an odd thing to have in your hand. One that I have no desire to ever do again. But how did you do when you ran down the guy in the scene? Oh, I, I think I did okay. That be, and, but, and because I can, I'm fairly athletic. I was like, jump, they had me like jumping up on a flower thing and up and over things. And, and also because they wouldn't normally, you wouldn't normally think that I could. It's like, what's this nice lady doing? And so, but still in my head, I thought to myself, as if it was coming off like, hey, hey, bad guy, could you just slow it down? I'm just, but you know, I think it was okay. Hopefully they, they asked me back. And then on my way to shoot my third episode, um, NBC had canceled it. That sucks. Which it was actually a really good premise. I think that it was, it was the beginning of the time when, it was a different studio, but NBC, and NBC had a show that they had done, which was in NBC Productions or Universal for NBC. So they didn't give Sleepwalkers a chance, and it was a really cool premise in which um, this team would would literally uh, go into people's dreams to solve crimes. So it was half procedural and half. It was it was actually a really cool premise. That, that always stinks. That's like, you know, we were watching the show and, and it, it makes reviews. It was a show called Wicked City mm-hmm. and it just came out and yeah. it's uh takes place in the 80s, which, you know, I went to college in the 80s. So did my girlfriend. And we love the 80s and the music. Like she watched yeah. first one, you know, Billy Idol and this and that. And the guy, you know, the serial killer and Jared Leto's in it. And yeah, you got, not, no, not Jared Leto. Uh, I was like, wow. No, I was no, like, I was like not, fantastic. No, no, no uh, I can't think of the guy's name. Jeremy Sisto. The name, oh, the oh name yeah, yeah. Who I like. I, yeah, know, he's great. And and you're sitting there, and, and we're, we're getting into it. You know, it's like, it's pretty good. And then we had set up the DVR for it, and we watched the third one, and we want to know. And all of a sudden, we hear, it's canceled. And we go, well, now we never know if the serial killer gets caught. You know, now. Were, oh, right, and, right, right. And it's not like, it's not like some shows, they cancel but then they play them like the Millers, the comedy. They right. They can, and then they brought them back in the summer. Right. So, okay, you know, even though a right. sitcom, you don't, burn you don't follow the right. story. But this, no, it's done. It's like, but you've shot, but wait. you've shot the episodes. Yeah, you know, 
and it's, right. it's like, and it's so pissed. It gets you pissed off because now it's like, I'll never know how they <laughs> caught that serial killer. It's like when Ned and Stacy years ago, I never know. If I they love got, the you, one they, of my best friends was on Ned and Stacy. Nadia Dijani, she's just so brilliant and everything. Wait, she, wait, she, she was Deborah Messing's sister. Okay, with that show, like you never know because it canceled it before. You never know if Ned and Stacy got, got together. together. And oh, I let's was, just say they did. I mean, yeah, but it's just, but you don't know. And right, it, it exactly. still pisses me off. It's like, did Thomas Hayden Church hook up with Deborah Messing? Exactly. We'll never know. We'll never know. And that's that. That gets me pissed off. Like when they cancel shows and they don't, they should have to have a like a a, a, a sign thing or whatever it says. Oh no, they're go not. On, that... Go on, go online. Okay, go to whatever, and we'll give you a breakdown of what would have happened on the season. Oh, they're not that that fair. I did this. Um, I, there was a show called MDs that um Jane Lynch was actually on it. Um, who else was on it? Oh, now I'm blanking. Um, uh, um, it doesn't matter. But it got canceled. They were in the middle of shooting an episode, and people were brought in to strike sets while they were shooting. So you're shooting an episode, and they don't, they don't, they don't even finish it. They were trying to finish it. It was just, it just it's one of those, and that's where, which my dad was lucky enough that it still had the creative aspect of it. It's a business, and that's one of the hardest things to comprehend and one that you must accept because I am absolutely aware that, especially in this day and age, as much as I've worked, I still have to go in and prove myself because it's not a household name. And if someone as amazing and an Academy Award winner as Marsha Gay Harden is doing a CBS show, they can get those people. So they're not going to, they need those proven numbers because they have, you know, shareholders to answer to, which is what is so crazy well, and, and frustrating, but it is what it is. But you know, what's also frustrating is, is when you sit there and you know, they have episodes in the can, oh, yeah. like, like Wicked City, what they're going to do is they're going to, and I like Shark Tank, but they're going to show Shark Tank reruns on Tuesday. Well, I've seen the Shark Tanks on Friday. We 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 video we DVR that. So now you're just basically you've lost Tuesdays for me forever because I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, well, what's coming on this Tuesday? I'm going to go, well, I like this show. Now it's Shark Tank reruns. I'm going to go find something else. And they don't think that people, you know, people go find other shows. And I think what's also as lame is they don't take into account the DVR. Like, okay, I love Ray Donovan. Right. I record Ray Donovan. Yeah. If you said what the, or, or I'll watch it on the East Coast feed at six o'clock. Right. If you called and said, so you live in LA, what show do you watch on Sundays at nine? I'm not going to say Ray Donovan because I watch it at six. Oh, or yeah, seven. yeah. Right. Exactly. And they don't take that into account that people, I don't watch any shows at the regular time, really. I, the mm. Goldbergs, I think, because usually because I, I love that show. But, and it's, it's, I grew up near Philadelphia and it's my age, Greg. Right. You know, but if, but if I miss it, everything's recorded. Absolutely. And that's what they don't get. They don't understand it. It's not like when you know when we were younger, where you it was sat around, appointment television, it was, it was absolutely. Saturday, Mash, yeah, Jeffersons. You sat there and yeah. watched it. Now they don't get that. No one watches TV. Well, and that's why DVR. It's it's the um, on air the the I think the first day, the three day, the seven day. Like there's they measure it at various different times. But you know the as far as reality television, something like Shark Tank and things like that. I mean that's. They're cheaper to make. They get the they get bigger ratings. The advertisers want to put their money there, and it's yeah, it's it's a very um, it's kind of a challenging and it, and it it's it's kind of and it's challenging not as an artist, actor, whatever, to not be bitter. And that's um, uh, three four years ago I think I did a um a pilot with this group of people that were amazing, and it was Roseanne Barr and John Goodman. They're they're their entry back into television together after Roseanne was one of the most important shows actually in television history, but definitely in the nineties and it was on NBC and it was the talk of the town. Everybody, I mean, nobody, everybody wanted that pilot. The fact that I got that, like talk about, I thought like, Oh my God, I'm done. Oh my God. You're set. I'm done. I am done. Like then after this, you know, it was, it was a character I usually didn't play. It was all of these things. And my role in the pilot was really small. And it was just an ideal situation. A friend of mine from college was the creator, Eric Gilliland, who's brilliant. It was just like one of those, like, I can't believe 
I got rewarded. Is Gillian G I L L I N D I A? Uh, yes. I always see yeah. him in the in, yeah, yeah. In, in the people like suggest. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. completely. So um, so and it was with um, so John and Roseanne, and then the other adults were Jason Antoon, who's genius, Greg Cromer, again genius, Trisha Kelly, genius, gorgeous, lovely. Same with Mary Birdsong, beautiful, lovely, gorgeous, hilarious, and a really tight knit group. And while we were waiting, we all got very very close, but we were waiting to hear. And when it didn't go, we were all just, well, how do we work together? How do we work together again? We tried to write something, and we created created this web series called Bitter Party of Five, in which the five of us sat around at a table, interviewed people more successful than us, and and in a very irreverent way, we were we were we called ourselves our names, but it was definitely a character, and we had a mock talk show, but basically asking questions like, yeah, yeah I mean, really. You think you deserve that? Now Roseanne was one of these people. She was uh, okay. It was she, uh, Roseanne and John were part of the uh, the okay. sitcom, but they obviously didn't do the web show because they didn't have to. Who but, were some of the people you would get? Oh, we. I mean, we did like fifteen episodes. We have, um, and it was all there were. You know, we got them through friends. But then when people saw them, like I would be at a party and, um, and people would walk up to me and say, like, I love that show. Can I be a guest? And it we it had to be someone that we literally would be also envious of right so but we got i mean um uh rachel harris Stephen root i mean he had to do it because um he's my husband so yeah. i was like you know and 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 he's also and he hates doing that which i completely took advantage of um martha plimpton dot jones chris colfer um alfred molina allison janney hold on um martin short yvette nicole brown tony hale of that one um uh, wayne knight um, I mean, we did like 13 or four, I think it was like 13 or 14. And then the list goes on for who we could get, but we got just tired of doing it ourselves. And it took a, a lot of, of time, um, and, and funding, and it wasn't getting the numbers that would really set us apart. And part of it was because none of us were famous or we were all in our forties or, you know, it was one of those things and everybody who watches it loves it. And then with that whole kind of internet thing, people said, well, you should have YouTube personalities on like that and, and cross pollinate. And we were just, we, we wanted to be this kind of cool niche and not go there. Um, and I think that that might've been a little bit of our downfall, but it's, it's, uh, we had such great chemistry, which you cannot, you can't just create that. Right. So to me, I've always thought that it would have been a hilarious if if we'd gotten someone fancy to show run it to really who really had the vision, it could have been a, in my opinion a curb your enthusiasm because each of these characters were so fucked up, you know, and were so um, uncomfortable. I mean, l- truly, Jason Antoon and Greg Crome, they would ask the female guests, Kaylin Olson, they. Greg, Com- Greg Cromer asked her basically um, because she had natural childbirth, which she's very honest about, but he took it in such an odd way. You know, he just assumed, so you just went into the living room and it came out of your butt. Right. So. And But it was, I mean, that's ridiculous. So they would be interviewed as if they were being interviewed like you're interviewing me. We were the idiots. See, that's just great. That's like like with Zach Galanoff because between the ferns. It, and, that, and that's, that's exactly what that was. That's why you laugh because, right. you know, he sits there with, you know, Bieber and he's just no, young. No, completely. Bradley Cooper just giving him a hard time. Right. Like, oh, you just get right. roles because you're pretty or right. whatever. And then Bradley Cooper smacks him. And you know it's all, right. but it's just funny. And, right. And people love that. And people love just to see. They just like that's the thing. I, that's like that's the kind of stuff I love. But like, if you guys brought had brought YouTube personalities, then it would have taken away from your whole show because right, right. most of YouTube personalities are dopes. They're like, well, they're it was, like it, not dopes, right. but they're like young but, kids. They have nothing in common. Like, you don't want to talk to like you know, like Marin had an episode where he met like he's in a YouTube episode for because his daughter likes this guy and he's just like, and you're a dick, you know? Well, like, you know, I mean, and, and, thing. and people who make. Like over a million dollars because they're teaching you how to put on foundation. Right. Like I mean, I guess, <laughs> wow, that that you know you found that place to do that, but it it definitely is a challenging to kind of check your ego at the door. And the thing with between two ferns, I mean, it was hilarious. Or seven minutes, seven seven minutes in heaven, or seven minutes in the closet, which was um, a guy from Saturday Night Live. He's a writer. I mean, really funny. We didn't have the access to. You know the money behind it, you know, to really fine tune it and really get it out there, and uh, you know, and also like Chris Colfer, 
who has over 2 million Twitter followers, you know, we also have very irreverent humor. And Chris was amazing. But it's not like his 2 million Twitter followers immediately went on YouTube and watched that episode. Also because they were episodes. They were between 8 minutes and 12 minutes long. So people were saying, it's got to be 2 to 3 minutes. Like, well, It's got to be a vine. You know, know, exactly. There's 5 of us plus the guests. That's 6 people. You can't, you know, you also have to let things, you know, simmer. So, I mean, I, look, we we're, we are still approached from time to time and, and, and who knows what happens in the future. But it I, it's still on YouTube and it's, it's uh, I mean, I'm it's really, really proud of it. So too. it's still on YouTube? Yeah, Bitter Party of Five. Okay, so now I have something yeah. to watch. I yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's funny. See, that's good. That's that's like fun. Now I want to go back to look. You said you worked on the Fosters. Yes. Okay, and now and that and then you got a whole new crowd of people. Well, well, did... you know, it was funny because it was kind of cross pollinated from Glee. I mean, I think Glee definitely gave me um, some exposure that I was not aware of. How did Glee come about? I mean, was were you from the beginning, or did you audition yeah. for Jane Lynch's part? Or... Well, I did. I did audition for Jane's part, knowing full well that I was never going to get it. I mean, especially even just reading the. Um, the script as the cheerleading coach, I thought you either have to look like you'd been a cheerleader or be someone like Jane. And, um, and you, you can't really get better than Jane Lynch. I mean, and what's hilarious is that over the years we would see each other at auditions. I'm really, do you know what I mean? Like just for the, for the same parts, which always made us laugh. Cause she's like six foot. Yeah. yeah. I'm, 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 genius. Love her. And, um, but Ryan Murphy, I had done, uh, an episode of Nip Tuck. It was the first episode of the second season. And it was a really, it's probably one of my f- most, if not my most favorite job. Why? Um, I had four hours of prosthetic makeup. I was, it was part of a storyline in which I was a 35 year old woman who made a pack, a suicide pact with her best friend. Cause who I was clearly in love with. And, um, it was just that kind of emotional thing and, and a, at, at a time in one's life where you don't know how your life is going to turn out. There's an unrequited love, all of those things. And it was written beautifully. Ryan did. And I mean, it was just a really poignant script. Um, he also directed it. And then the fun part of you get to go into makeup and have this. And, and um, in the story, my best friend shoots me. I don't shoot him. So he blows half my face off. So then I'm, which I love, I'm put in this makeup every morning. I mean, you don't ha- really have to act after that. You just right. are staring at yourself because it was really, um, it was really gruesome. The makeup was unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Where they, they put um, strings on my upper and lower lid and, and wove it through my hair and before every take would stretch my eye open and tie it open. And it was really so in that it was just, you know, it was making movies. I mean, in that, I mean, as as simplistic and corny as that sounds, that was it. So it was just kind of I felt like it was done for me in a way. And so I had met Ryan for that. And and the one thing with Ryan, he's loyal. He remembers people. And I went and I auditioned and didn't get that part. And then they said, would she consider coming in for this part because no one else knew me and in the pilot it didn't have any lines you know uh, the role of carol hudson didn't have any lines and so they gave me actually a scene from an old nip tuck which that was my audition piece and then i got that and ryan said that i'd be around and then i think that it just people you know i was the mom so i think that that gave me more exposure did you think that show would become such a but I mean, it was just, it was one of those shows that if you watch TV, it's, it's not the regular kind of show. Right. And it's something that, you know, especially now, cause people were so into reality crap and stuff like that. And it's wait, there's music. Like people, people can't conceive music in a show. It's like, you know, you sit there and they're like, wait, this can't be on TV. Wait, I want to see a regular show. Did you think, I mean, you'd be part of a show. I mean, I mean, that just, it. Like all my friends' kids watched it. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean no, everyone like yeah. sitting there going, they're like, like my buddy goes, oh yeah, because I I think it's based on uh, Burbank High or Barrows High. I heard it's based on one of the yeah, programs. it's one of those Glee 
And yeah. I mean, did you think, I mean, did you think when you, when you were first auditioning, no. that it was going to be like, no, because I didn't know anything. I, I had, because I was, I was basically in a flashback. That was my, that was my part in the pilot. It was a flashback. You saw Finn, like kind of his, why he was the way he was kind of growing up with a single mother and so on and so forth. So there was, it was all flashback and, um, I wasn't around for the numbers, so I didn't see how good they were and how unique it was. And reading it, it just doesn't fall because you're not hearing it. So I'm, I was a huge watcher from the get-go. And they also got just, and again, it's another example of they, he assembled a cast of unknowns that were really talented, really good for that part, and really good for those parts. Chris Colfer, he wrote that part for. Chris Colfer was 18 years old. I mean, he's such an unbelievably talented young man and so prolific and is you know he's written he's written um uh, screenplays that have gotten made he's on his fifth book uh i mean it's it's insane he was one of, when when he was on bitter party of five i literally said you might want to tone it down like tone down all of the stuff cuz i'm feeling badly about myself and you know <laughs> let's just calm down um and so it, it, I, I didn't know, and it, and it really became, and so I kind of saw it through their eyes because again, I wasn't, there was no flashy character that I was. I was just the mom, so I was never going to get the notice or be in all of the episodes because I wasn't at the school, and it really, you know, that you had to be at the school. So it, it uh, I mean. T- in a long way to answer the question, I didn't know. And then when I saw how it exploded and those kids' lives changed overnight, overnight. Now, did people start recognizing you? Because it was, I mean, I mean, they probably know you from other things, but that's one of those shows where it's, and once again, people who are watching you in like Castle or Criminal or whatever shows you right. do, it was, it was, it's a different crowd. Like they said they had been known, like, you know, I mean, kids, and they're the biggest fans. I mean, they're just, they're insane. Yeah, I mean, especially teenagers. But it, I would get stuff from other people. Well, I tend to change. Um, if you see, if you watch the first couple of episodes, I have brown curly hair. Like I'd change my hair mid. It was at the very beginning of the second season. Is that your choice or their choice? My choice. Okay, so you you can sit there and go, you know what? I want to change my hair. Well, no, I mean, I, and I even asked. You know, again, I wasn't a regular. I didn't have a right. guarantee. Okay. I, I did ask permission because I knew it was going to be different. But, um, and so my look changed. So people didn't really, um, compute it. Uh, but I mean, I would be at things like with Dot Marie Jones, who's amazing. And is, and what I got out of also what I got out of Glee was some amazing friends. And that I always think that I've won when I walk away from any job and you, you just have the opportunity to meet really incredible people from all different walks of life. And that's, you know, win, win. But I would be at places with Dot, and they would always recognize Dot, who's six three, and I'm five four. And then <laughs> she would be, you know, say like she's in Glee too. I'd be like, yeah, not that much. So uh, occasionally I would get, occasionally I would get uh, recognized, and it was kind of funny in these random places. But where I think once that it meant the most to me was I was at a place with some girlfriends um and i was paying and the young woman behind the counter said um it was after Corey had passed away and the tribute or memorial episode was on and this young woman was said i'm a fan of glee that's very sweet and she said but i have to tell you my sister passed away when i was young and watching that was very cathartic for both me and my mother and it, it was the first time where I really realized because I'm very self-deprecating. And so when people say like, oh, I saw you on such and such, you were great. I'm thinking like, it was really small. It's only two and a half yeah. minutes or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't, it's so difficult for me to just purely take the compliment. And in that moment, I thought, wow, it might be two and a half minutes, but it truly touched someone. And that was, I mean, you know, to the point where we were both crying, like both this young woman and and myself, just because clearly something tragic had happened in her life and I would I could never measure that it was not a compare and contrast but to know that this is kind of why I started it again as corny as it sounds was to affect people 
to, to, you know, either make, either be cathartic or make them laugh or something, make them feel something. And I, like right there in front of me. And so that was a really rewarding, rewarding experience. Yeah, nice. I mean, that must be a great feeling. I yeah. mean, because I mean, it's something that, as you said, people go, oh, you were great in that room. But when they say, wow, I went through this, I mean, it's gotta yeah. be, it's better like than you. You helped me through this, which was, you know, really cool. Now you also have been on one of my show that m- makes me die laughing, Silicon Valley. Oh, I know. Oh, so I now, know. now what was that like? Because that just that just that just show, and it's Mike Judge, and I know you've done Voices of King in the Hill. Well, yes, but a very, I mean, and Mike was around. I mean, I'm I'm sure I got that because uh, you know it was like, oh, let's just throw the wife something. Which um, that was, I had auditioned for the new boss, the um, and didn't get it. And obviously, and then they, the woman who got it is amazing. This amazing actress, Rebecca Kreskoff, they were recasting, you know, it just wasn't a fit as it's, it's happened to all of us. So they brought me back in. I was like, wait, how did this happen? And they only brought in a few people. And I, it was one of those moments where I'm like, oh my God, it was, it was like the Roseanne thing. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be on something that I love. I can't even believe this. Then I didn't get it. And they then were really kind to offer me those 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 two episodes the second of which is literally one word or two words um but it was so much fun because uh i would never obviously be the head of a company of a porn site so it was really really fun to do and they're all you know it's all these harvard graduates hilarious people and thomas middleditch who i really got to work with the most he's part of this um theater group they're called the the improvised shakespeare company that are, is so off the hook genius that if 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 you have an opportunity to see it they're at largo intermittently but it's from chicago so i, I was excited just to work opposite him because i'd also i not not only been a fan of the show but i'd seen him do live improvised shakespeare see that's cool see. that must be great now you're also you're going to be in secret and slides yes well now i watched I, I I really liked it last year, but now now is Ryan Felipe in it again? No, okay, so the, the only different... one is you're right is Juliet Lewis, who I didn't work with. Okay. I actually worked. I mean, I don't know if you know. I mean, Larry Poindexter and I, he played my husband. Okay, you know it's funny. I just I just saw he posted something. Did did uh, Arkin? Uh, he was he's an executive producer on it. Okay, no, Larry posted a picture of him getting yeah. directed by Arkin. Or yeah, something. Uh, yeah, but it was who was that was the first time I ever met him, and what an amazing man so hilarious and irreverent and right up my alley well you must be happy because they brought secret lies back into town it, it was right yeah they shot i think in vancouver last year uh no, no north carolina okay. i think so that must be good now now did that now you're going back though you're going back to drama now is it is i mean because that's a pretty dark show yeah no. now is is your role uh crying a, is it crying yeah. so so you're, you're not like a humor you're not like the 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 comic relief at all no. you're, you're straight up no straight up and and it actually came my way because the creator of the show the showrunner um uh i had done a private practice um an episode that she'd written and so when i think the casting people had um pitched me she was like oh my god yes so you know it, it's not a massive role um so which is again easier for me to get an offer in that situation if it's a real big fancy role there's no way that that would ever happen um so but 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 i was known and they knew that i could do that or she, you know whatever clearly whatever i brought to the private practice i then got to bring um to that so which is just so, always fun. but you worked a lot now, you, now was, did your major crimes air yet you know no uh uh-uh. okay. cuz i watched that show too really so i'm going to sit there going i'm going to sit there cuz the other night we were we were watching it Saturday morning. We had taped it earlier in the week, yeah. and uh, and John Prosky, I don't know him. He's an actor. He was. Oh yeah, I mean, I. I he was on I mean, it. And I'm like, oh my god. And then something later that night was done. I was like, oh my god. And I said, I think, I think I'm in. I think maybe it was the the fourth or the fifth one. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. So that's good. And then, and then you're also going to be in America Crime Story. Oh right. I was I, I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I was which like, well, I am. Ryan Murphy. Yes. Which, which which that was um I. Again, it's like a, a a little a little seasoning, and a friend of mine would say, "Stop." My my good friend Rusty Schwimmer would say, "Stop putting that it's a small role." Um, I uh I play this woman Jill Shively, who's 
obviously everyone's real, who was the person who was actually the only eyewitness to OJ in the area. He almost, she almost got into a car accident with him. Um, but then Marsha Clark brought her in. She was going to be her star witness. And then the woman sold her story to hard copy. So then they couldn't use her. Now, now, did you meet the Jill Shiver? No. Uh-uh. Okay, now, did you no. do any research on her? No. I. It, it, Just because I... There wasn't enough, and also the part really was quite small. Um, I mean, I saw what she looked like. I saw what her background was. It, it was definitely the kind of role that didn't... I, I didn't need that information. I just needed to know kind of what what her background as far as upper class, middle class, lower, you know, all of that. Um, and Ryan very much wanted me to pepper it with my craziness. I mean, just with uh, my twisted way to look at a situation. So he allowed me to improvise a little bit, so which was fun. And that must be great because we all, we all remember that trial. I mean, the oh, whole time. Oh, I, I, I remember, not, not only do I remember where I was during the Bronco chase, which I think most people do. I remember where I was when the verdict got read. It was definitely that was a that was a huge thing for kind of our generation. Yeah, it's crazy, and, and the show looks like it's going to be great. It's got such a I'm, great. It's got an amazing cast. I mean, it, look, Ryan Murphy is. He knows what he's he knows he knows what he's doing. He knows what captures an audience. And and he has a twisted way of looking at it. And I and that's not a bad thing. I mean, I'm saying that in a very complimentary way. Do you want to get on America Horror Story? Oh, I would. I would love to. I don't think that they would ever. I think that's where they don't cross pollinate, because there was a role. I think I'd done like only one episode, and literally I only had like one line. I think on Glee, um, and there was a role that came up in American Horror Story that I found that that I was told about, and I couldn't even get into audition. Because I just think that uh, networks are very look. I didn't do. I only did, in six years. I did one other show on Fox, which was an episode of Fringe, because my husband had been offered the role. They offered both of us the role, but it was one of those situations. If my husband had um, turned it down, they would have they would have pulled my offer, which always makes you feel really good. <laughs> I'm like I'm like. Are they aware that I'm the talented one? No. Um, and. Uh, so I don't think, I think for whatever the powers that be at certain networks thought that it's confusing to have like Carol Hudson as, you know, I hate that. like a, a mother who eats her children, you know, whatever we're, it is. We're, we're adults. We can tell it's called acting. That, that, that's the stuff that exactly. pisses me off so well, much. And what's frustrating for us is that if I was fancier, that rule would be lifted. Because people, it seems like people can suspend their 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 disbelief or whatever when they're watching some, you know, like a, you know, they want to bring eyes to television, and if they can't bring the eyes to the television, then they don't want people to be confused, and that's really yeah, it's like the Gaga, know. she's still the Gaga, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's but I don't know that's what it's like, and and then you'll watch that. I mean, I I I have an issue. I mean, I I've, I'm not a very good scary. Um, scary program watcher because in in our house like I have to take the dogs out at night I'm like there's just too many bushes for things to jump out at so I'm safe for not watching certain programs like you know I watch some American Horror Story uh, every season and everyone I'm like oh time's up Ooh. I want to thank you. I, My we pleasure. Uh, now, do you tweet? Are you a Twitter person? I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not a. I'm not. A, I'm not a big Twitter person. But well, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Romy Rosemont. Okay. Yeah. And that's R O M Y people. It's not R O M I E. It's R O M Y R O Rosemont M O N T. Um, yeah, anyway, not not mount like I can imagine again. Is it Reezy Mouse Mount? You know, oh, like people, oh oh people. I mean, I, I'm I've been I've been introduced as Rosie Rosemont like on a red carpet. I'm like oh god. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. My pleasure. And uh, people, so go follow her on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Also Instagram at Cooper Talk One. Uh, you can go to my website coopertalk.net where I have 440 episodes. I just posted one this morning. And uh, email me, cooper, at coopertalk.net. And uh, iTunes, Stitcher, one word, Cooper Talk, so you won't get confused. And if you have, if you have one of those uh, Android things, get one of those Android uh, devices, go to the Google Play Store, and it's the Cooper Talk app, and it's free. And every one of my episodes is up there. And whenever they load, you can listen to it on your phone. 
you're driving, listen to it there. And don't forget my other my other uh, website, StopTheSalt.com. You know, when I went through the health problem, I had to uh, change my diet completely. So it's 120 recipes of low-sodium cooking for one. They're easy to make. There's no pictures to intimidate you. There's no long lists of ingredients. If you don't have cumin, don't worry. You don't need cumin. 120 recipes broken up to sandwiches, pastas, salads, and entrees. Buy that. You can get it at Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. But get it through me at StopTheSalt.com because I, I make more money. And that's what it's all about, me making money. And I will uh, I will sign it for you, and I will send it to you. But I won't put my address on because I don't want people to know where I live. So anyway, follow me on Twitter. Follow Romy Rosemont on Twitter. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. I'll talk to you guys next week.